Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. All right. Uh, I love saying Christ is risen, and grammatically, if you notice, we say is risen, meaning it's a state of perpetual. It's in the present. It's in the past. It's in the present. It's in the future. He is risen. He continues to be risen. He's alive today. Amen? And that's what we celebrate. Otherwise, we should all go home and do something else. You know, pursue some other faith. Pursue some other kind of belief and reliance upon um, ourselves, our money, our job, our success, or something like that. But because of the resurrection and because it's present tense, right now, real time, we can say Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. Amen. So I'm Pastor Dave, a pastor of Renew Church here. So glad you can join us and really excited. And I'm feeling really excited because I think I lost some weight. So I, I got a slim fit jacket and some tapered pants. You know, usually that's reserved for skinny people. But I'm like, I'm skinny too. So I'm, I'm sporting this. Hopefully it's more flattering. <laughs> Only on Easter, though. I'm not going to dress up any other day. Oh. <laughs> uh, because, you know, I want to be welcoming to, to all types of people who are wearing all kinds of things, right? <laughs> no, we have no errors here. Amen? Amen? Do you remember when you forgot to wonder? They say that parents spend so much time telling their children, don't do this, don't do that. Um, and for good reason, because my kids are all over the place and they will not survive, actually. Right? My, <laughs> my genes will not be propagated if I were just to let them go free. So realistically, <laughs> realistically, you have to say, don't run out into that street. Don't stick your finger in the, those three little holes over there in the wall. Don't. You know, don't eat that. Don't put your hand in the fire. Max, don't put that hornet's nest in your mouth. Don't run in the street. Watch out for cars. Don't touch that. Don't lick your fake plate. Don't push that boy. Right? Don't do that, this. Don't do that. Don't do this. Don't do that. And they say, the experts say that over time, as we become mature, we become you know, growing up, adults, or through school, we get jobs, careers, we have our own family. We lose that curiosity, which, just like the cat would have killed us, right? We lose that wonder. We lose that sense of awe. We lose that, that aspect of dreaming and exploring, and we become more rational, more realistic, more careful. We calculate our actions. We think about things before we do them. And that's great because it helps us survive, it helps us be mature, it helps us be responsible in the real world, it helps us get jobs, be professional, we, fit, we create our resumes, we look good in front of people, people begin to trust us, we're reliable, we don't die, we can live in society, <laughs> right? But I think sometimes the no, no, no's in our lives begin to build up, right? They begin to pile on top of one another until they become these heavy stacks, immovable stacks in our hearts and in our lives. So much to the point that we forget, we fear taking risks, right? It's been a long time 
since we dreamed. It's been a long time since maybe we've been able to say, oh, that could happen. Oh, I can make this change. I can take this leap and something good might happen. Right? It's been a long time because there's been so many things that have told us no, so many voices that have said no. And if you remember when the children gathered around Jesus and his disciples, the children were so in awe and so admired Jesus. He was an awesome guy, right? He was like Purple Barney. Like all the kids love Barney. I don't know why. He looks like a pear that's purple. But the kids loved Barney and the kids loved Jesus. Because he emanated love, and he was so amazing, and he healed people, and he could turn water into wine. Maybe the kids weren't there. They were under 21. But other things, other miracles, right? He was doing other miracles, and the kids were rushing. Just imagine that story. Children loved Jesus. The children loved Jesus. He wasn't like a stern rabbi, you know, a stern person where, oh, don't go there. That's pastor, right? Pastor wears ties. We can't approach him. It's like time to be solemn time. No, Jesus was approachable. And the children knew that and sensed that and were able to approach Jesus. And the disciples were like, wait, 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 wait. Don't bother Jesus. He's busy. He's got important things to do, right? He's got to go, you know, preach the sermon on the mount. He's got a sermon to give on this boat, right? Don't bother him. And Jesus was like, what are you doing? This is the whole point. I want, let the children come to me. And in fact, he said, to these children, to these children belong the kingdom of heaven. You cannot go to the kingdom of heaven unless you're like these children. And what did he mean? I think he meant this openness, the openness that children have, right? The wonder that children have, that's faith, right? Just the ability to jump into life, you know, and just be like, yes, right? If my children jump from, you know, the playground slide and I say, jump, Cammie, and I catch them, right? It's amazing. Oh, what a great father. He's playing with his daughter. But what if Cammie was like, I'm going to jump. And I just stepped aside and just let her fall to the ground, right? We wouldn't do that. But sometimes we live life in such cynicism and such skepticism and such unbelief that we don't jump because we actually feel like God is going to step aside and let us land on the ground. Right? If that's the case, let's just leave. Because what are we what are we coming here for? Right? The resurrection and the power behind the resurrection and the miracle of the resurrection is the key piece of why Christians are Christians, of why followers of Jesus follow Jesus, right? Because if there was no resurrection, there's no power in Jesus. God is dead. Right? So why are we here? So we can dress up once a year and look great like this? Right? <laughs> No. And, I, you know, I like this picture because uh, the empty tomb. And this is, my, this is my personal opinion. I think the empty tomb should be the symbol of Christianity. Yeah. Right? 
I think instead of cross necklaces, we should have empty tomb necklaces. Yeah. Right? Like, look at my empty tomb, it's gold. I have, you know, I have a grill in my mouth with empty tomb, right? Just, just winging it out with empty tomb bling, right? Because the cross, if you think about it, the cross is a Roman torture symbol, right? It actually is the symbol of death. And yes, that's one part of the story. Jesus suffered and he died. And he died on a Roman cross, which was, for the Roman Empire, a symbol of their power over everyone. Fear us! If you come against us, you will die. Yes, that's part of the story that Jesus submitted himself to that. Didn't He went nonviolently to the cross and died a violent death. But that's not the end of the story. And that's why we're here. He is risen. He is risen indeed. It's the empty tomb. It's the empty tomb. And far too much, I think Christians cling to the cross. We're like, die. I must die to myself. I must let go of this thing. I must be in darkness. This is what it means if I pray hard enough, if I cry hard enough, if I just strive hard enough, then I will get myself into heaven being dead, dead, dead. <laughs> right? Sorry, I'm getting excited. <laughs> Korean church, that's like, you know, the Han. It's like the deep pain that Koreans feel. And we need to get on our knees and pray and weep and cry, right? God, come! But that's, that's not the end of the story. The end of the story is, he is not here. The tomb is empty, amen? He is risen? what the two shining brilliant men in bright clothes say to the women who come to the tomb early on the first day of the week. They say, he is not there. And they're just living out their daily lives. They're just living out their daily duties. The women who are around Jesus. And let's take a side note here. There were women who were followers of Jesus. There were women who were disciples of Jesus. There were women who provided for Jesus. And at the death of Jesus Christ, there were women mourning at the feet of Jesus. And at the resurrection, at Easter, there were women who were going to prepare Jesus' body for burial by anointing him and putting, you know, Herbs and stuff on them. <laughs> I don't know what it is, herbs. Uh, so that he could, you know, so they could honor the dead and be faithful to their duty. Right? There were women who followed Jesus. In fact, all through Jesus' death and then to his resurrection, the closest people to Jesus were his women disciples. Where were the men? They ran away. They ran away. The women were there. So that's just a side note. I'll just let that hang there. Right? We might get back to that. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> he is not here for what? He is risen. 
He is risen. The NIV actually says he has risen, but I'm just changing it. Right? Don't you remember? He told you when you were with him in Galilee. He told you everything that would happen. Right? And it's so funny. This happens sometimes in the Gospels. It's like, and suddenly they remembered what Jesus told them. It's like my children. Like, I've told you a thousand times. Brush your teeth. Go to bed. Put away your Kindle. It's time for bed. Brush your teeth. Go to bed. Put away your Kindle. It's time for bed. Right? It's like in your head. In your head. In your head. In your head. And they're still like, what? What was I supposed to do? Come on. You were with Jesus like for three years. Every day he was saying, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die. I'm going to rise. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die. I'm going to rise. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die. I'm going to rise. Die with me. Die with me. Be alert. It's coming. It's coming. And they're like, what? 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 Don't you remember? He told you in Galilee. Oh, yeah. That's what he meant. We thought it was over when he died. We thought he was just kidding. But they suddenly remembered his words. And I think that's how we are sometimes, right? I grew up in the faith where kind of my theology and my faith was an equation, right? Jesus died for our sins, and then he came back to life. And if he died for me because I sinned, and the wages of sin is death. Sin equals death, so I'm dead. But Jesus was perfect, but he died, so he gets a credit, a life credit for all of us. So if I just believe in him, that equals eternal life. So I have to cognitively believe in Jesus Christ, and then I'll come back, I'll be saved, right? And there's this equation. But I think what you see in the Gospels is it's so much more than just an equation. Amen? Because what about all that other stuff? What about the times that we doubt? What about when life happens and we're scared? What about when I lose my job and I'm like, God, where are you? I've been praying. I've been praying. I don't know where I'm going to get my next job. I don't know where my ends will meet, right? When tragedy strikes, right? When you get disease or you have to go to the hospital, right? Someone gets cancer. You lose a loved one. You break up with someone. Your marriage is failing. All of those things. What happens when those things happen? How does that fit into the equation? Well, equals, it's the present tense. It's he is risen. He is not here. Except we hold on to the things. Let's see, right left. We hold on to the past, right? We hold on to things, right? Where is Jesus? Right? And we sit there and say, where is God? Where is God? Where is God so much? And sometimes we don't find it. Sometimes we're not met. Sometimes we're not delivered. And we begin to hang on to other things, like the people in the wilderness hang, hung on to the golden calf, to the object instead of the creator, to the creation rather than creator. Right? So I hang on to this relationship. Surely marriage will save me. As long as I have this and it's good, life is good, I'm saved. That's what I believed when I was 20 looking for a wife, right? This, now when I've arrived, wedding bells, I, I put out my plumes, 
my colorful plumes and uh, uh, attracted a female, right? And now she wants to spend time with me. Now I have found my way. And I hang on to that. And I hang on to that. But stuff happens, right? You're disappointed. It's not perfect. And there's still, your soul still longs for God, longs for new life that no other person can or should provide for you. And yet, what is that thing? What is that object in the desert when you're feeling dry and thirsty? Is it your career? Is it your resume? Is it your money? If you're having a midlife crisis like me, is it your new sports car? Like, is it your health? What is that thing? Is it your children even that we hang on to for life? Yes, those things are good and they give us life, but they aren't life. They aren't the life that Jesus has for us, right? And so we stay here and we're hanging on just like the castaway Wilson to a little volleyball. That was our best friend, Wilson, Wilson, Wilson. And God is saying, I am not there. Why are you looking for the living? Why are you looking for life among the dead, among the inanimate, among the things that are going to disappoint you, that you have no relationship with you, that can't talk back to you, that can't hold you, that can't embrace you, that can't speak words of truth into your life, that can't give you living water when you thirst? Why do you keep hanging on to those things? Let go. Let go. Move forward. Let go of the stagnant equation, right? Look for the integral that is in Jesus Christ, right? He's, a, he's gone. He's not there. He's already moving ahead because he is risen. Amen? Yeah. He's alive. And what things are you holding on to in your life that's keeping you from moving forward? into new life because Jesus is gone. Jesus is moving. Jesus wants so much more for you and me. Jesus wants new life. Jesus wants renewal. Jesus wants healing. Jesus wants transformation because he's like, woo, I got a new body. I'm here and we're going to do something. We're moving forward. Come with me. Back to the passage. Um, it says on the first day of the week, very early in the morning. If you go and read back through this, it's very much like Genesis 1, right? It's the first day of creation. Darkness. It's, it's in the morning, early in the morning before the sun has come out. So in one sense, it's like death has ruled the chaos of before creation. So the women are entering into this chaos, right? They're entering into the darkness, into the death, and all of a sudden, there's light. The men that they run into gleamed like lightning stood beside them. And God said, let there be light. And while they were wondering about this, we're going back to the word wonder. When was the last time you wondered? When was the last time you stood in awe 
of the possible or the impossible in your life? When was the last time you let go of what you what you could reason when you could rationale or the economics of cost-benefit analysis? When was the last time you let go of that and just were like, wow, God. I almost want this wall to raise up like a garage door and let all the sunshine in and the birds to fly in. That's wonder. When you see the sanctuary of God's creation, wow, indeed he has risen. When you see the new life in spring, we actually get to see an image of the resurrection right now during spring as flowers are blooming and coming up, as the vegetables in the garden are starting to sprout. Right? I get excited about my seeds that I planted because like green stuff is coming up. Yes, yes, yes. That's a picture of resurrected new life happening now. He is alive, and he's calling you into so much more. He's calling you to be a part of so much more. I want to spring up new gardens in your life. I want to spring up flowers in your heart. The places that were dead, let go of that. Let go of those patterns. Let go of those addictions. Let go of the things that is so hard for you to let go. And let me spring up new life. Amen? Do you need new life in your life? Yes. Wonder. That word actually comes up again in verse 12 at the end. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb, bending over. He saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. And that said, Peter, however, that however is attached to verse 11 that says, but they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Actually, that could be in our hashtag MeToo movement. That could be like a, a, a news headline. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Right? If God, God calls and wants to use his people for his witness. Amen. Amen. It's people and humanity that puts regulations or you can't do this. Don't do that. You can't do that. Who crush wonder, who crush the potential of what God can do. Right? If God wants to call, he's going to call. Why do we limit him with our traditions? Right? We're no, then the church is no better than Capitol Hill. Right? Then it's about politics. And not what God can do. Not the awe of God can take a donkey and make a donkey speak the gospel. God can take anyone, a child. Right? All we need is wonder and a calling and a willingness to say yes. And Jesus, the first witnesses to the gospel, the first preachers and proclaimers of the gospel, were women, right? And it's the church, it's the structures and the institutions, or whatever the culture is that said, 
we do not believe you, right? Because what you say is nonsense. It's incredulous. I don't want to hear it. I'm not used to hearing the truth from people like you. But Jesus called women to preach the gospel. And I'm, I'm hitting on this hard because so many churches hit on the opposite. Right? Spend a lot of time breaking down little scriptures out of context to say, women shouldn't preach. Women shouldn't proclaim the gospel. Women should be quiet in the church. Don't believe them. But that's the same thing that happens in socially, in our culture, in the secular culture. Don't believe what they say, right? As progressive as our country is, we still have not had a woman president. There are, there are Islamic countries that have women, who have had women leaders. Yep, we're old school. What's wrong with our country? We're, we're not all that, we're old school. Break, it's gotta break because we have to grab a, let go of ourselves and grab a hold of wonder again and awe. Wonder and awe. Are you with me, church? Yeah. You don't have to be. <laughs> Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Right? They didn't believe the women because their words seemed like nonsense. But Peter said, huh, I'll go check it out. He got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering himself what had happened. That's the walk. That's the journey of faith in Jesus Christ. It's the life of wonder and awe. Let the resurrection come back into your hearts. Live a life of live the resurrected life by approaching your life and your relationships with wonder and awe that anything can happen. And what we expect to be there is not actually there, but something new that could recreate new paradigms for you is about to happen if you just trust and say, yes, Jesus, I believe.